Well, good morning. <laughs> nice to see you this morning. Anybody have something better than gold with them? Oh, yeah, some guy went, yeah, my wife, way to go. Way to go. Write a song about her. What, uh, but this song was actually about, all right, if this, better than gold, maybe you go, oh, yeah, I sang that song. I didn't really think that, but that's pretty amazing to go, I have something better than gold with me, and that is the word of God. So why don't you turn with me? If you have it, even better than gold, as an app on your phone, join me in James chapter 1. We just started this book last week, written, we believe, by the brother of Jesus, a leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he is writing to Jewish believers who have had to flee as refugees from their home because of persecution. And he writes them an extremely practical letter about truth they needed to know when. And the whens are going to change, obviously, throughout this letter. But what we'll find is they are extremely practical. They're not theoretical whens. There's, there's real-life whens, like when you experience... Hardship, that's how he starts. If you missed last week, the truth you need to know when you are in hardship. And then he's going to do when you need wisdom, when you are being tempted, when you are angry. That's pretty practical, when you're angry. Yes, seven people admit to being angry. (laughs) The rest of you are angry that I know that you're angry. No, we all, we all get angry. Truth we need to know when we're angry. But last week, truth, here's the truth we said we need to know. Well, we didn't say it. James said that we need to know when we're in hardship. Consider it all joy. That's the opposite of what we would think. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, what's the word? Endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, quick review. Uh, We rejoice in hardship knowing that everyone gets their unique hardship. Not if, when, and various trials. Some, no doubt, have it harder than others. You may feel like that's the camp you live in. Everyone gets their unique hardship. But we rejoice that hard is not our enemy. And why is it not? It produces an endurance that easy cannot. So maybe you, maybe you felt a little cheesy, but you took the challenge this week. When hardship came your way, you said, hello, friend. The friend that nobody wants but everybody needs, miserable in the moment, but priceless in the journey. That's hardship. It produces something in us that easy can not. And it's because it produces a new independence, a new dependence upon God that leads to new experiences of God's sufficiency. See, I experience 
experience in the Lord in ways I never would if I always lived in the land of easy. And those new experiences of God's sufficiency is calls for not more faith, but faith more. In other words, for new levels of hardship, the new experience of trials, faith more. I trust God in each and every circumstance as I experience him more and more. So I, I'd be tempted to uh, reteach the sermon, but that was last week if you missed it. In the midst of hardship, we often don't know what to do. Think about that. In the hardship, we don't know what to do. Should, in Acts chapter 8, after the persecution started, here was the question. Should we run or should we stay? I know that was part of the question because the text literally says, and people scattered, but the apostles stayed. You know what chapter and verse they got that from? I don't either. Because there isn't one. There was an issue of, we don't know what to do here. And so what did they ask the Lord for? They asked the Lord for wisdom. And this is why, and some of you know this text, this is why this text comes next. Not because he's changing topics. I think he is addressing when things are hard and we don't know what to do, we need wisdom. Some of you have gotten difficult health news. And you're like, what should I do? Do I go with this first opinion? Should I get a second opinion? And then I got conflicting opinions. Which one should I go with? I need wisdom. Finances? A job? Stay with my job? Change my job? Hard conversation? <laughs> we need Wisdom. Now, sometimes we need wisdom and it's not directly connected to a hard circumstance. And I think this text applies. I don't want you to miss, though, the fact that this text is speaking to those who lack wisdom in the midst of their hardship. Because that's going to be true for, for all of us. So he says... If any of you lacks wisdom, what he just said, so that you'd be complete lacking in nothing. See, th that's the connection. He said, you're going to grow in endurance, lacking in nothing. Well, it's one of the things we lack sometimes is we're growing in, growing in enduring faith is, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need wisdom. Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So nothing novel here. If you are in hardship and you're confused, you're not sure what to do, you ask God for wisdom. And wisdom, I think you probably know this, wisdom is more than just being smart. It's no more than about knowing stuff. Wisdom is how to apply truth rightly. See, some people know stuff, and some people know a lot of stuff. But knowing a lot of stuff 
does not make a person wise. Now, you can't be wise apart from knowledge, but you can have knowledge and not have wisdom. So it's applying what the truth says rightly. I don't want you to think lacking wisdom or praying, asking God for wisdom, is praying about something the Lord has said to do. Here's what I mean. I often, here's a unique, a specific situation. I will often have people say to me, well, I know I need to have this conversation, but I'm just praying about it. Well, the scripture says, speak the truth in love. And often praying about it means, am I going to do it or am I going to chicken out? <laughs> That's not what the Lord's talking about here. The Lord's saying wisdom is what? Having the conversation, it's just knowing when. And what words exactly? And who should be, if anybody else, involved in that conversation? That's wisdom. It's not, should I do what the Bible says or not? That's not what we're talking about here. There's almost an assumption that James says, hey, you're already at a place where you're going to do what the Bible says. But sometimes you're not sure how to apply that specifically. So what do you do? You ask God. You ask him for wisdom. And you do so with the confidence here. I love this. You do so with the confidence that he says he gives it generously. And he can give it generously. Why? Some people give generously because they have piles of money. Why does God give wisdom generously? Because he's got piles of it. It's not like he's got limited amount. It's like, if you need wisdom, I am the source of all wisdom, and I'm not holding it tightly. In fact, I love to give it to people who ask for it. I want you to approach that with a new zeal this morning. When you're in a situation where you know what the truth says, but you're not necessarily sure how to apply that truth, go, Lord, I, I want you to give me wisdom here. I want your wisdom. And to do so believing that he, he has it and he loves to give it. In fact, he loves when you ask for it. Because he's generous with it. And he gives it, it says, without reproach. In other words, there's none of that. Really? You don't know what to do here? What's wrong? <laughs> My children, huh? There's no reproach in it. Now, maybe you've never thought this connection before, but, but here's a connection I want you to make just from that specific verse. That wisdom should be a defining mark of a Christian. Why? Because our Father has infinite wisdom and has promised that if you'll ask, he'll give it to you without reproach generously, which should make us, as believers, 
the most wise people, listen, in our families and in our workplaces. See, maybe you've never thought about this, but ask yourself, within your family, if, there are, if there's a mixture of believers and unbelievers, I think it should be exceedingly clear to all, believer and unbeliever, that the believers in this family have wisdom. It ought to be abundantly clear wherever you work, and probably most of you work in a mixture of believers and unbelievers. Not that you're the smartest, but that you have extraordinary wisdom. That you have the capacity to take knowledge, truth, and rightly apply it to life, to relationship, to decisions, and to priorities. Because you see things clearly. If that's a challenge to you, accept it. If that's, if that's like motivating to you, I hope so. I hope that what I just stirred in some of you is a, is a hunger to live with far greater wisdom than you currently live by. Because you have, at your asking, infinite wisdom from a heavenly father who promises to give generously to those who ask. That's exciting to me. I, I think that ought to be exciting to you. That as Christians, and this is often not the case, regrettably, but that as Christians, we would bring what this culture so desperately needs. Not just knowledge, but what? Wisdom. Experiencing hard? Not sure what to do? Ask God. And then he adds a, a clarifier. He says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We're a coastal city. You ought to have a great picture of that in your mind. You have seen that countless times. So visualize. Is that you? <laughs> What's happening? I should do this. No, I should do this. No, this. No, this. Ah. Wow. That's the person I want to be. No! A person that's driven this way and then driven this way and then driven this way and then driven this way. Why is that happening? That man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. So let's unpack this. He says, if you're in hardship and, and you're not sure what to do, Ask a generous, giving God for wisdom. He'll give it to you. But ask in faith. The opposite, he says, of asking in faith is, what was the word? In the text, what was the word opposite of faith? Doubting. And then he says, here's the evidence, here's the symptoms of doubters. They're tossed 
to and fro. They're going back and forth, back and forth. That's the symptoms. What's the cause? Why are they going back and forth, back and forth? Because, and the scripture speaks always interchangeably of the, the heart and the mind. It's because they have a, a double, double mind or we often think of it this way, a divided heart. Double mind, divided heart, same deal. The issue is double-mindedness. See, I think when we typically read this text, we think, well, ask in faith, no doubting, okay? I believe you're gonna give it to me, God. I believe you're gonna give it to me, God. I believe you're gonna give it to me, God. I believe, I believe, I believe. I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. It's not believing more that God will answer. It's believing God's answer more. Big difference. Not believing more that God will answer, but believing God's answer more. Because the double-minded man, I'm not sure what to do. And, the, and there's wisdom, and it's like, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. I don't know. You've been there. Back and forth. You hear this, and then you hear this. And then I heard this. And then I went here. What's the issue? My heart is divided. My mind is divided. Here at the chapel, what's this mean? This means we live under the authority of the word of God. Meaning, this is faith. This is double-mindedness. You see, double-mindedness is not, I don't care what the Bible says. No, that's clear-mindedness. Double-mindedness is, I want to know what God thinks. I'm just not committed to do what he says. So I would like to consider the Lord's thoughts on this. And you know what he says to you if you want to consider his thoughts? No, thanks. I'll give my thoughts to people who want to apply what I say, not consider what I say. So wisdom, if this helps you, wisdom is not for, the wisdom of God is not for consideration. The wisdom of God is for application. And therefore, he says, I give it to those who have a single-mindedness a fully devoted heart. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro through the whole earth, looking to make strong those whose hearts are, do you know this? Second Chronicles 16, 9, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully his. So when I'm asking, I'm asking in faith, not I believe he's going to answer. I believe he's going to answer. No, I know that. I believe what he answers. Faith says two simple expressions as it relates to asking God for wisdom. Faith says, there's the problem, the double-minded. Faith says, God, you know best. So I'm not going to be pushed 
back and forth. Because why would I be pushed back against what I believe is best? Many of you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. And then what? He'll direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is simply James, 5, James 1, 5 through 8. Just old, it's the New Testament version of it. It's simply saying that I'm, I'm double-minded when I'm leaning on my own understanding and then seeking to trust of the Lord and then lean on my own understanding. It's back and forth. Wisdom. Not sure what to do. You're in a hard spot. Should we stay? Should we run? Sometimes that's hard. Do you know that sometimes Jesus, uh, in the midst of persecution and attempting to take his life, he just walked right through him. And then other times, what did he say? Take me. When Paul's life was threatened, one time they put him in a basket and led him down by night, and he escaped. Another time he said, I'm headed to Rome to prison. How did he know? The Lord gave him wisdom, what to do, how to rightly apply truth in that specific moment. Lord, what do you want me to do in a manner that glorifies you? Truth applied to your life. That's wisdom. And so you ask, how? Single-mindedly. See, faith and doubt can be confusing terms to us. That's why I'm pushing you towards understanding. Double-mindedness versus single-mindedness. Double-minded is the doubting. Single-minded is the, the fully devoted heart. That's the heart of faith. Faith says, God knows best. I'm not pushed to and fro from my, his thoughts to my thoughts. And therefore, faith has my yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here's the kicker. Yes, Lord. Before you answer. We're all experts at approving what we think. Oh, yeah, that's good, Lord. Actually, it was good before you approved it as good. Yes, Lord, I'm not sure, but whatever you say, you have my yes. Ever prayed that way? Lord, whatever you say, however you lead, that's what I'll do. You have my yes, even before you answer, because I'm fully devoted, not double-minded. Now, as we move in the text, let me acknowledge that verses 9, 10, and 11 seem to be like, what are we talking about here? He's going to talk about Somebody who lives in humble circumstances, a poor guy and a rich guy. And it's like, what's that have to do with what we're talking about? So uh, this will really help if you have a Bible in front of you. To, don't miss big picture here. The big picture is he's talking about responding to hardship in our lives. And he says, count it joy. Why? Because it produces endurance. Endurance leads us to a place where we always have what we need when we need it. But if we lack wisdom, he says, if that's something you need in the midst of this, then pray and ask. But don't pray 
Double-minded, pray, single-minded. Now, verse 9 begins with what, what word? Yeah, but, but the brother. So it's just like verse 5. I think this is still big context, responding to hardship. If you lack wisdom, ask. Now, there's another qualifier, verse 9. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. What do you mean, humble circumstances? Well, next verse. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. So the brother of humble circumstances probably means what? If you don't have what you need, you're poor. He's speaking, but, but a poor brother should glory in his high position. What the world's at? Hold on, we'll talk in a moment. And the rich man should glory in his humiliation. What's his humiliation? <laughs> Because like flower and grass, he'll pass away. And for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance destroyed. So too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. I think he's giving, remember context? Trials, hardships. He's giving two examples of how whatever your circumstances, we are to learn to Glory in the truth that those circumstances reveal. That doesn't make sense to you? Hold on, I'll explain. Glory in the truth. There's a truth regardless of your circumstances, what they are, whether you're poor or whether you were rich and you lost it all, there's a truth to be revealed in all of them. And you are to glory in them. What, was, what did the text say? What does the poor man glory in? What did it say? Verse 9. To glory in his, his high position. What's my high position? Let me bring this to your mind. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll put on. Don't worry about the basic provision of the basic things of life. Why not? He says, look, look at the birds of the air and how God provides for them. And look at the, do you remember the other? The flowers of the field and how God clothes them. And then he asked this question, ready? Are you not worth much more than that. What's your high position? Your high position is you are the pinnacle of what God created because he created you in his image. And as one's created, watch, got to listen very carefully right now. As one's created in his image and children of God. Because the text begins, your heavenly father. In other words, are all people children of the heavenly father? No. All people are created in the image of God. All people have him as creator. Only those who have trusted in Jesus and his 
death, burial, and resurrection on their behalf. Only those have the right to become children of God. Only those have the right to say, Heavenly Father. And it is those who have him as Heavenly Father who have the promise, I will provide for you. I will provide for you. If you ever doubt it, just look where? Birds of the air and flowers of the field. And remember, you are, you are more valuable. Glory in your high position. What's the truth? If you're poor, the truth is God promises, I'll provide for you. And so, how could you count it all joy? <laughs> because your story reveals uniquely the provision of the Lord for his children. Now, I had a guy tell me on Thursday night, that would make sense to me. The rich man could have lost it all. Glory in that. Mm, I wouldn't. <laughs> that one was harder for me. What does a rich man losing it all reveal about the Lord? <laughs> well, what's he say is going to happen with riches? They're going to they're going to be like a beautiful flower that fades and passes away. Meaning Don't put your hope in that. The repeated testimony of Scripture is riches are uncertain. And the glory, the truth revealed in the circumstances of a rich man losing it all is simply this. <laughs> that your riches were never meant to last or to satisfy. So don't put your trust in them. Your circumstances reveal a truth about God. Glory in it. Don't, don't wish your way out of it. So for some of you, well, which one of the, which is hard? To be poor or to be rich and have lost the riches? Which is hard? Be rich. Yes. Right? Yes. Both are hard. And both reveal unique truths about the Lord. Some of you have lost 30% of your 401k. Right? And you're going, I don't think I'm learning anything here. <laughs> you are. You might not like what you're learning, but you're learning something. You're learning the biblical truth that riches take. Wow, I was never very good at charades, but you don't know what this means? <laughs> riches take wings. They fly away. And that's good. That's good. 
I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying it's good. Why? Because it reminds me. Don't put your hope there. Because if you put your hope there, then hope's going to fly away with it. And what are you going to be? Hopeless. And everybody needs to learn. Everybody needs to learn where hope lies and what is hopeless. So we all, we all, your story, my story, we all get to reveal from our circumstances glorious truths. He just picks two. And I think he picks these two because these are the two, part of the two, that would have been real to the audience that he's writing. Some of them would have been poor and had to flee in their poverty. And some of them would have been rich and in their fleeing lost their riches. And he's telling them the truth they need to know. Let me give you an example from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had a trial that he calls in 2 Corinthians the thorn in his flesh. He never identifies specifically what it is. Many guess it was a physical ailment. And he says concerning that, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And so I've often said to you, that is a very polite, divine no. Please, no. Please, no. Please, my grace will be sufficient for you. In other words, no. Power is perfected in weakness. You know how I... I like and probably, you know how we tend to like power to be perfected? In healing. That's the one. That's the one we're excited about. But actually, he goes, no, power can be perfected in healing and power can be perfected in weakness. Most gladly, conclusion now, by the one with his trial, Paul. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content. Maybe you didn't connect this when we sang. It is well with my soul. Not because life is as I want it always, but because God is present with me and revealing himself in whatever. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You see, it's a truth that's revealed in his circumstance. Could a truth been revealed in the thorn of the flesh being taken away? Yes, God of miracles, come. We need your supernatural love. And he says, I am going to come and show it not in healing, but in your weakness. See, all of our circumstances are opportunities to reveal truth about God. 
And therefore, when we glory him, which is what it says, the poor man to glory in his high position, the rich man to glory in his humiliation, our glory in it is being content in it. That's Paul's testimony. I'm going to be content. And here is why contentment is so much, though it's never uh, the word is never used in the text. I think it's described in this text because contentment is a reflection of a single-mindedness. If I'm not content, I will be double-minded. Can I describe that for you? I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. I need to get out of this situation. I want to do what the Lord want me, wants me to do. Got to change my circumstances. You see? And when I'm there, I want to do with the Lord, but I'm not content. Then what did the text teach us? No soup for you. <laughs> Meaning what? No wisdom for you. So contentment, friends. Listen. Your contentment in your circumstances is vital to your receiving wisdom because contentment is a reflection of single-mindedness. Say it the opposite, lack of a contentment will keep you from receiving God's wisdom because it's a reflection of double-mindedness. So much heart here, right? So much the dissecting of my heart. Do I really believe? Not that he's going to answer, but do I believe his answer is best, period? Does he have my yes even before I have his answer? Do I need him to change my circumstances? Or am I prepared to be content to trust him, whatever my circumstances? If I'm there, then I can walk in wisdom. And when I can walk in wisdom, I can even more count it all joy. If you connect the beginning and the end, you can very easily see this. I will never count it all joy. <laughs> when I'm not content. But if I can be content, because I believe God knows best and God is always working for his good, I can count it all joy and in the path receive wisdom that comes from heaven. So let me lead us. Well, sorry, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. This is, I think, the, the wrapping up. We'll, we'll jump into next week. When you are tempted. Any of you going to be tempted this week? Let me see your hand. Ah, so those are people showing up next week. That's what I thought. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. 
For once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. this, This is not complicated. We persevere knowing not only is God working for good, not only that I can be content that whatever truth is being revealed, I can persevere knowing this is not going to last forever. Has that ever helped you? That's helped me. This is not going to last forever. I, I remember needing a job in the summer in college. And people would say, well, what type of job do you want? I don't really care what job it is. It needs to be high paying. That's what I care. <laughs> I need to make some money. Well, you're going to like it. I can do anything I need to, legally. I can do anything I need to for three months. Not for the rest of my life, but for three months. You see what I'm saying? I can endorse stuff as long as I know it's not going to last forever. So be happy. <laughs> Blessed is the man that's happy. Be happy that your hardship is temporary. It may feel like it's never going to end. That's the whole issue of chronic pain. feels like it's never going to end. It will. Be happy that hardship is temporary. But the reward? Eternal. And sometimes we just really need that perspective to count it all joy. All right, not theoretical, but real. I want to lead us in what hopefully will be an example for you of a prayer of faith, of asking for wisdom. So to keep it real, I want you to think very specifically right now. Where do you need wisdom? Okay? I think the vast majority of you can probably think of something pretty quickly. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's financial, maybe it's health-wise, maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's a family deal. Where do you need wisdom? Can you think of something specific? Give me a nod if you can. Okay? All right. And I encourage you to think of something specific, otherwise this will just be theoretical, and James is anything but theoretical. It's practical. All right? So think of a place where you need wisdom. And now... Let me lead us in a prayer that I think demonstrates what we've learned in the text. All right. Let's start with our heads bowed with praise. God is full of wisdom, and he gives it generously. Give him praise for who he is. All right? Praise him for the cross. Praise him for the sending of his son to be Savior. Give thanks, not only for the death of Jesus, but for the resurrection of Jesus. And thank him for his word, praising that he is truth and life. Now take a moment to repent, to confess in any way in which you know by action, attitude, or thought, you are not under the word of God.
as you think back to recent days, any way in which you have deliberately disobeyed the Lord. Confess that. Any grumbling, any bitterness, any brokenness. Any way that fear or anxiety has been in the driver's seat, confess that to the Lord. Now ask him very specifically what it is that you need wisdom regarding. Now yield. In other words, Lord, you have my yes even before I have your answer. Just tell him that. Lord, whatever. I delight in you. Delight in your will. Declare. This will be an act of faith, but declare. You're content with what he's doing in your life right now. Lord, thank you in advance for wisdom that you'll give to people who have just asked of you with a heart submitted to you and with a life yielded to you. We declare now our worship of you as the fount of all wisdom and of all love.
we show our trust in him is that, as Doug said, let's give him our yes before he gives us his answer. Let's be content with that. Be okay knowing that whatever his answer is, it's true, it's good, and it's for me, and it's for my good. Uh, If we can pray for you in any way, we have men and women between the auditoriums that are there to pray with you individually if they can serve you in that way. Hope you have a great rest of the Sunday. God bless.